We are glad that you're here this morning. My name is Cody Hill. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and we have a special Sunday today. This is a Sunday full of some Christmas music and celebration over what God has done and what God will continue to do. And we wanted to start this Christmas season off um, with a reminder of the ultimate gift. There's a lot of things that happen during the Christmas season, right? There are families that gather. We sing Christmas music. Stores are lined every single day, and there's a lot of things that happen. But we wanted to sit here and talk about the ultimate gift, um, and that gift is more important than anything that we will ever receive. Um, for those of us in this room that have accepted Jesus, it is the most important gift that we have received. And if you haven't made that decision today, I hope that through what we are doing here, it is very clear that there is a God that exists and he loves you. And this Christmas season that we are celebrating is the most important thing that we will do. So if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to take a look at this gift that is being brought the ultimate to the ultimate gift. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. And to kind of set the scene, we have these magi, these wise men, these kings showing up. Um, because they have seen that a Savior is born. Um, and that is where we're going to pick up this morning. So starting off in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Picking up right back in verse 5, it says, In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means last among the rulers of Judah. Because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So I want you guys to see something. We start in verse 1. And these magi get a vision or a dream that there's going to be this Savior born. And they begin their journey. Right? All of us have a journey that we are on. And our journey has to start somewhere. Right? And for those of us that accepted Christ and know Jesus, right, our journey has a new starting point from that point forward, right? The moment that Christ changed our life, we had to start this new journey. Maybe you're here today and you've been on this journey for years, or maybe you've never started this journey. The beautiful part about a trip or anything is there is always a starting point, Right, It always has to go. And so these kings, these magi, have this starting point. Right, They make the choice to get up and go. We see that they arrived to Jerusalem, and being unaware, right, because these are not Jewish magi, these are not Jewish kings, um, they are asking, what's going on? So they arrive to Herod's place, and they begin to ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at his rising and have come to worship him. Right? They begin to engage with this journey and they seek help. 
The only problem is the person they are seeking help from unknowingly, right, is probably not the best source in this moment. We get to verse 3, and it says, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him, right? King Herod gets this visit from these wise men asking for the king that is born, and he's like, wait a minute, I'm the king of the Jews here. Like, you're going to tell me there's another kid who is king? I don't know about that. We need, to, we need to check this out. So Herod begins to send off for the scribes. I want you to understand this this morning. Everyone is searching for an answer. Everyone is searching for something, right? Herod, who, being Jewish, knew that there would come a Messiah, right? And he still is missing the point. Everybody is searching, And the reality is, because the word of God is true and the word of God brings truth, right? We are all presented with the truth. But the question is, what do you do with the truth when it is presented to you? Which is where we see Herod lines up here. So he assembles the chief priests and they begin to give him this ultimate truth in verse 5. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet Right, so they're looking back in the Old Testament here. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people in Israel. Right, the truth is this. On this day, and we're gonna, we're gonna split this up, so Pastor James is gonna come up and, and wrap this up, right? So I'm gonna kinda leave you on a cliffhanger here. These magi, these wise men are bringing gifts to the ultimate gift that will change everything. And Herod has been confronted with this truth. But all of us have been confronted with the truth today or while you've been in attendance to the church. Maybe this is your first time and I'm telling you that there is a God that loves you and that Jesus is the reason for the season. And it's not just a corny thing that we say But without Jesus, none of this matters. Without Jesus, we are all just spinning our wheels, going nowhere. And the beautiful part about the gospel and the beautiful part about Jesus, and Pastor James will come back and sew this up later, is God is not forcing any of us to love him. He's not forcing any of us to follow him. We make a choice that is presented to us. And the question is, you're going to hear about the love of Jesus today through these songs. You're going to hear about the love of Jesus through a pastor. James is going to come up and tell you today, what will you do with the truth that is presented to you, right? Whether you have known Jesus and, and walked with him for years, or whether this is your first time today, we're all at a different part of the journey. We're all at a different part going forward. What do you do with the truth that is presented to you? Cody did a great job on starting us on the biblical adventure that's close to our heart at Christmas time. The story of these three men who we don't know what to call them. Wise men, magi, kings. It was scary Friday afternoon. I was at the Chamber of Commerce's annual Christmas luncheon. All the business people gathered up together and they did a family feud between our trustees and between the ambassadors for the Chamber of Commerce. And the family feud was to, and I've never seen the TV show, so it was all brand new to me, 
Fortunately, I wasn't in it or on it. And uh, it, the, but the family feud was to describe elements of the nativity scene. And the first guy, the very first guy to answer a question said, the kings. And I thought, okay, this is where you got to take aside that scholarly side of your academics and say, yeah, that's right. That's actually not at the nativity. <laughs> it just didn't happen then. And the guy goes, kings. And the hostess said, nah. And he was like devastated. He was like, what's wrong with that answer? She said, no, it's magi. I'm sitting with a bank president next to me, one of our local bank presidents. He leans over and says, you're going to have to ref this one. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I'm not, I'm not refing this today. So if it's confusing, the magi is the word that actually describes either kings or wise men in the ancient Near East. Cody started us on their journey. They saw an astronomical, they saw a a star that was uniquely not present prior to this series or this era or this point in time in the sky and been, began inquiring as to why this phenomenon was taking place. And it was creation and God working through creation demonstrating the arrival of the Messiah. And they started on that journey as Cody started teaching us. And, and they began looking and they began seeking and they began attempting to find answers. And, and they found some correct answers. They ran into wise men and leaders in Israel and, and of King Herod's court who said, Hey, look, this is what the prophecies say. This is, this is what it says in scripture that this is, there is a child, there is a savior that's going to be born and that's going to take place in Bethlehem. And as Cody accurately pointed out, Herod began plotting and scheming in that moment. Not all advice you get spiritually is always good advice. Um, so you might just think about that if you're checking TikTok for your Christmas facts. It is not, not all advice is good advice. Um, and they began this journey again after having heard this information. And that is what the Christian life is like. It is an adventure. It, it is a journey. It is a, it is a process of seeking. And these men are seeking. They, they, all they understood initially was things are different. Something's happening. This isn't making sense. And we want to find out why, what's taking place. And our challenge is that during this Christmas season, those who don't know Christ would have the opportunity to think about it and ask, why? Why is there this season? Why, why is there this holiday? Why is there this momentum? And to do all the things that we do, singing songs and getting together and having festivities and having activities and meals and, and giving and sharing presents, what is behind all of that? And the only accurate answer is Jesus. That's the only accurate answer. Everybody can speculate about all kinds of old pagan practices and every other kind of imaginable thing that you're going to find out there. But the bottom line is, it's a journey to find and experience Jesus, who is in an unbelievable way, in a difficult to understand way, simultaneously God and man in his birth. He's always been God. Jesus has been there from the very beginning. There is no point in time where Jesus didn't exist. 
What happens in this point of time is that Jesus exists in human form, in human flesh. And he's born as an infant to demonstrate to us in a very personal fashion that he is, as we just sang, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God. And he is, as the prophet said, and the angels recognized, Emmanuel, God with us. It's a journey. It's an adventure. It's a process of seeking and understanding and experiencing who Jesus is and what he does in our lives. But it's not just for the unchurched or the unbeliever. It's for those of us who have known him. Christmas is such an excellent time for us to reset, to pause for just a moment and go back to the fundamentals and the foundation of our faith and to reassess in a very real sense our personal and dynamic relationship with God. What is God doing in my life today? What strange phenomenon am I seeing in my personal life at work or with my family or in my community? What am I seeing God do in this moment that seems unusual? And how can I seek him and know him in a greater degree and come into relationship with him? And how can I leave at the conclusion of this year and start the beginning of a new year through a Christmas season that celebrates God coming to be with us and know the story of his adult life and his teachings and his crucifixion and his death and, of course, his resurrection and the promise that was fulfilled just days after his resurrection and after he returns to heaven that the Holy Spirit would come now to live in us not just be with us like Jesus was, but to bring the presence of God, not just into churches and cathedrals and sanctuaries, but into our hearts, into our lives, into every decision we make at school, every activity we're a part of in our family, everything we do in our careers and our education and the, the progress of living this life, everything that we're a part of, Jesus is a part of it. And this is just an excellent time to pause and to think what has God doing? What is God doing? What is God going to do? I personally, it was a while after I became a Christian before I learned that these events are probably taking place. Most scholars agree that probably were about two to three years actually after the birth of Jesus. So Jesus is actually a toddler in Matthew chapter 2 where Cody was teaching from. But it didn't really matter to me at that point. I could look at the technicalities of timing and stuff, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine. It doesn't really matter to me whether Jesus was an infant still inside that manger cradle um, that's so symbolic of Christmas, or whether he's a toddler at this point in time when they finally arrive and when they finally meet him. I love the imagery of when they meet. And that's where we pick up the story where Cody left off. In verse 9, after talking to King Herod, they began their journey again. I love the way Matthew describes it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It gives the impression that while they were in Jerusalem, while they were talking to King Herod, while they were consulting the historians and the theologians, while they were doing all of this activity, that it wasn't as obvious. And maybe it was just because they were in the city and they needed to get back outside of the city in order to be able to see the sky and to see the stars. But they see it. 
And Matthew declares, the star they had seen, it was there. And it led them until it came and it stopped above the place where the child was. In verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Meeting Jesus may in the initial phase of the journey be a little confusing. But when you meet him and he verifies in your heart and you know that he's heard your prayer and he's forgiven you and he's come into your life and he's a part of who you are and he's a part of everything that's ahead of you, the overwhelming response every single time is always joy. I've been watching this for a lot of years. I know my own process. I know what happened that Saturday and Sunday when I first asked Jesus to be a part of my life. I know the joy in that moment. I know how it just radically transformed everything that I was at that point and everything that I would become or ever could be. But I've had the privilege, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm relatively aggressive about telling people about Jesus, to sit with people when they make that decision. I've been either with or around most of the kids that are going to help me in a few minutes when they made that decision or when they, after they made that decision, they came to talk to me and talk to Miss Christie about that decision and told me about it. And I remember different stories you guys have told me about that moment when you're sitting in bed and it was late at night and you thought to yourself, I need to know Jesus, and I asked Jesus in. Or when you were riding in the car with your parents, and as your parents were talking, and as you were listening to the music, you thought, I need to know Jesus. And you made that decision, and we, we celebrated that decision with your baptism, as all believers do, regardless of what age you are when you become a Christian. I was 19 when I got baptized, and, uh, and it, it stuck. I've never been baptized since. Other than one time, we had this lady in the middle of baptism got afraid and she just about took me down but <laughs> since then i've been letting other pastors do it so i stay up here where it's dry and safe it changes everything and i can tell you after watching this over and over again and having the privilege of praying with people and see them make that decision, watching their reaction, because recently, just recently I had a conversation with someone and talked to them about meeting Jesus, and they weren't quite ready to really make the decision, but they wanted me to pray for them. And as I prayed, they started crying. Not because my prayer was that bad, but because they began and they realized afterwards and they told me, I think I understand. God loves me. They were overwhelmed with joy, it says in verse 10. They, they saw the star. The star comes to a conclusion. It comes to a stop, and they recognize this is the place. This is the place they had just heard about the prophecy of how God would come and intervene in our world to bring us hope, to bring us forgiveness, to bring us life. And not only just life here, but eternal life. And to bring his presence into our life here when it's difficult and it's hard. Entering the house, it says in verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They had sought. They had looked. They had searched. They had seeked. They had inquired. They, they had done everything in the journey, and now in this moment, they get to see. God isn't hiding from us. He's ready right now to be with us. 
They saw him. And their response is overwhelming joy, as I mentioned. And then they fall to their knees and they worship him. They surrender. When you realize you're in the presence of Almighty God, you just want to let him have everything. And then the part that defines so much of Christmas. After that surrender and after that joy and after all that they've seen and experienced, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I'm not going to go into the technicalities of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh and potential symbolism. It's a natural response when you realize you're forgiven and you have a new life and that God's in control of that new life to just want to give. And we're going to do that. We're going to do that in a variety of ways as believers. And we would invite even unbelievers as they're seeking to know Jesus this Christmas to make the decision to trust him and make the decision to share. God gave his son. Jesus would describe it to a religious leader as like this, that God gave his only son, that anyone who would believe in him, anyone who would trust him, would have eternal, everlasting life. Christmas is about God's love. It's about God's generosity. And that motivates our generosity.